Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Thank you for tuning into episode 61 of the Board Shorts podcast. I am joined by another wonderful guest whom I am in conversation with, Professor Miranda K. Braun. Professor Braun will actually share more about her story at the beginning of our conversation. However, I wanted to share a little bit about her so that we can have a nice understanding of her background and the work that she's doing. Professor Miranda K. Braun has nearly 30 years of regional and international experience at the intersection between financial services, law, academia, technology, engineering, charity and policy. Her expertise is on diversity, equity and inclusion, environmental, social and governance, what we commonly know as ESG, and risk issues where she provides boardroom level advice on strategy growth and innovation, which is really the focus of our conversation today. During her current tenure at Keble College at the University of Oxford, she will be lecturing and researching the Braun Review, an independent report where her research has a strong multidisciplinary orientation, drawing on boardroom diversity with a focus on sustainability inclusion and corporate governance, including her eye changes model. Her report and new book will be finalised while at Oxford and are both set for publication in 2023. And you get a chance to participate in the survey that Miranda's doing as part of the Braun Review. And we share more information about that in this episode. Miranda is also a multi-award winning British businesswoman with a portfolio career as a board advisor, non-executive director, philanthropist and international public speaker. She's also the founder, president and CEO of award-winning registered charity, the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. In early 2022, she launched the innovative Miranda Braun Award in partnership with the University of Oxford and the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. Her lecture is called The Braun Review, Boardroom Sustainability, Inclusion and Corporate Governance, forming the seventh annual lecture for the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation, which made UK history during its launch in 2016. A common thread in her work is the urgent need for an inclusive, sustainable and just world. And my gosh, what a treat to have Professor Braun on the Board Shorts podcast. Settle in for an amazing conversation. Professor Braun, it is so wonderful to have you on the Board Shorts podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Absolutely. Anytime. You are always welcome. Now, I wanted to I wanted to start with you sharing your story. Normally, I introduce the special guests that I have on this podcast, but you have a very unique and interesting story that I think is better shared from you yourself. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and where you are today, how you got to your position? Fabulous. Will do. So who am I? So I 
literally today, I um, was born and raised in London. And I started investment banking when I was 18 years old. And I progressed through the ranks and become a managing director and basically started off in operations, worked my way up to the front office, became an investment banker, a hedge fund sales trader, and then a senior banking lawyer, focused mostly on financial regulations and legal derivatives. And then that expanded to advising the board on various diversity, inclusion and equity initiatives. But that said, I've been focused on diversity and inclusion for over 20 years. And so that started really working for a top US investment bank. And as I was entering the front office, though, I was also very active within one of their networking groups, which was their black networking group. So I ended up chairing that and helping with the progression of the black employees and professional development. And so Clearly, with all the things that have happened with George Floyd and his murder over two years ago now, there's been a lot of focus on race diversity. But this has been something that I've been focused on for over 20 years and clearly other diversity strands as well, such as gender, age, LGBTQ plus as an ally, um, disability and so on. So in, in terms of where am I today? Well, today I have a portfolio board career. I'm a multi uh, sector advisor, where I sit on various boards and I also help and advise CEOs and global organizations, whether that's investment banks, law firms, global health care um, organizations, the House of Lords, the Cabinet Office, you know, local government, UK government. So I'm I'm basically when I say I'm multi-sector, I really am multi-sector. And and as I'm talking to you today, I mean in the UK, I was about to say London, because I still am based in London, but I'm also now based 50% of my time, or maybe 70% of my time, in Oxford, Oxford University. And so I'm also a senior visiting fellow there, where I'm doing research and lecturing on boardroom sustainability, inclusion, and corporate governance. And that's because I'm working on an independent report called the Braun Review. I'm going to end because I could go on. I think you can imagine that I could probably have a whole podcast. Just just Talking. introducing yourself. I, I absolutely agree. It's it's incredible. And it's quite long, which is why I'm also finishing my book at Oxford, because there's too much to put into a podcast or a speaking engagement. And that's something else I also do. I'm an international public speaker. So I speak on a range of different topics. But I also, seven years ago, launched a UK registered charity called the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. And it's for short TMBDLF. And so that's where we launched and we have launched innovative scholarships, which at the time no one was doing, but it included scholarships, funding, work experience. We have launched the UK's first Black Women on Boards initiative. We made UK history with our first leading diversity leadership lecture. Um, and we just had our seventh diversity leadership lecture at Oxford University at Keeble College. So that was rather exciting a few weeks ago. And I think it was one of their, if not the, one of their most inclusive and diverse lectures and actual events. We, we were oversubscribed. We had over 250 attendees and registered attendees. So, you know, very, very exciting to be part of that. And also working with Oxford University, not just on my research, 
but also working with them overall in terms of how to make Oxford University more, more diverse, more inclusive and more sustainable. Mm. And I'm going to end there. <laughs> That's but yes, quite quite busy at the moment. <laughs> very. And um, I just think that is incredibly amazing um, career progression that you've had and where you are now and the work that you're doing. And you did finish off by talking about diversity, sustainability and inclusion. And these are words that we hear so often Um anyone who touches corporate governance in any way, shape or form, you quickly come across these words. Um, So what is your definition? So we all know what we're talking about. What is your definition of diversity, sustainability and inclusion, particularly as it relates to the boardroom? That's a really good question because lots of my work now is focused within the boardroom, not just also with across the organisation, but I think in order to really drive these three parts, diversity, sustainability and inclusion, it's got to start from the boardroom. Absolutely. I would say, though, if you also ask five different board directors, I'm sure they're going to define diversity, sustainability and inclusion in many different ways. You know, Absolutely. you're going to get five answers probably. I would say, though, in its simplest sense, diversity from a boardroom perspective means having many individuals that are different from one another. However, I do believe that board diversity does not have a clear cut definition. And in general, its goal is to make the boardroom, you know, consider gender, ethnicity, race, age diversity and other factors such as disability, LGBTQ+, etc., but I think diversity takes various forms in a boardroom and it can be broadly categorised in, you know, looking at elements such as skills, expertise and experience. It's not always your physical attribute that's bringing the diversity to the table, but it's also looking at your experience, your personality. You know, what are the skill sets that you're bringing to the table? It's funny because I've been doing lots of research, reading lots of research as well, and one of the research that I announced at the 7th Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Annual Lecture was when you look at the boardroom, we're increasing the diversity from a gender perspective. And we've got nearly 40%, you know, especially in the UK, that are women that have joined the boardroom. But when you break that down, that's mostly middle class white women. And when you look at who's in the current boardroom at the moment, it's mostly middle class, upper middle class white males. And the research is now finding that the middle class or upper middle class white females who are entering at a similar age are actually sharing similar viewpoints to those middle class, middle aged white males. So the emphasis has to be on we've got to start looking beyond the white females and we've got to start looking at, you know, people of colour, different age groups. You know, we, we can't just be thinking, OK, well, we've got a six year old white male from a certain background let's let's put in a similar white female with a similar background similar university similar work experience because then you're not really changing the dynamics of board diversity so that's that that to me would be really in short board diversity should be aiming to cultivate a broad spectrum of demographic attributes and characteristics in the boardroom and the fact that, you know, the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation, we've launched the UK's first black women on boards. And the reason why we launched this two years ago 
was for that simple reason, the fact that we don't have enough other women in the boardroom. And I think when people say, well, we're just focusing on gender at the moment, that's our main, but it's like, well, you can focus on gender, but there are black women, there are gay women, there are young women, there are women with a disability. So you, so when you say you're just focusing on gender, are you just like, what do you mean by that? Because it's becoming clear what you mean, but I think we need to broaden out with regards to what that current terminology actually is. Mm. Now, when we look at sustainability, I would say sustainability includes ESG, which is the environmental, social and governance concerns. And this is not new. But I think what is new is the fact that when we've looked at ESG in the past, especially prior to the summer of 2020, before George Floyd's murder, ESG was more on the environmental side. We were not really looking too much at the social and the governance aspects. And I think from a boardroom perspective, we now know clearly we need to be working more sustainable by making sure that we're protecting our environment, we're protecting the earth for our future generations. But I think we also know that we've got to look at the social aspect. We've got to look at the diversity, the inclusion, the governance. And that comes back to the board diversity. When we look at governance, it's not just the policies and procedures that we need in order to make the boardroom and the organisation run more effectively and efficiently, because research has also proven that if you include the diversity, inclusion and sustainability within your goals and you set targets, financially organisations perform a lot better. And there's a lot of research out there, such as McKinsey. Um, but I think, you know, boards do have a key responsibility to drive action. And this is this is so important. I would say, though, that sustainability is now recognised as a critical business issue. And many organisations, all of the organisations that I'm advising at the moment, they're all focused on this, you know, and this is and I'm also finding, especially this year, that board directors, global board directors who are experts within inclusion, diversity, sustainability, they are very much in demand within the boardroom. Now, let's tackle the last inclusion. I would say when we're looking at the definition of inclusion within the boardroom, within the organisation, within whatever sector you're in, you've got to think and you've really got to ask yourself that question. Is your board or your organisation inclusive or is it just diverse? Mm. Because what we're finding and what research is finding is that organisations are becoming more diverse at junior levels, not in the boardroom, not in seeing a few are coming through at some senior levels. Um, but lots are leaving after a few years, especially the junior members, because they're finding they're not getting the support, they're not feeling included, they're not getting that promotion, they're not getting that pay rise, so they leave. And so that is indicating that it's not just the board, but it's also the organisation that are not inclusive. So I think, you know, what is the definition of inclusion? It's it's basically everyone feeling like their voice is being valued, it's mm. being heard, and it's being respected. You know, mm. I, I could, as you can imagine, I could go on a bit more and talk about what, what my definition of inclusion is. But I think it's it's really moving beyond the representation. It's moving beyond, oh, well, we've got a diverse workforce. Well, at what level are they at? Well, they're all at graduate and intern level or, you know, junior or they're the cooks or they're the cleaners like we've got to go beyond that now um, and I think inclusion should be the focus which is why 
the Braum Review, which is the independent report that I'm doing at Oxford University. And I'm also getting support and partnering with other global organisations and leaders, namely Hogan Lovells, Goldman Sachs, KPMG. Um, and so for me, it's it's really important to get that support. I've also got Reed Smith as well backing this. And so I, I think when directors from underrepresented groups are effectively integrated, mm. boards will definitely have more collaborative decision-making process. I think with the Braum Review at Oxford University, we will be aiming to establish guidelines for a more inclusive and sustainable boardroom. Mm, that'll be great. Very valuable information, no doubt, coming out from that. Um, at risk of asking a dumb question, is it possible for you to just connect the dots um, for me, if no one else, <laughs> around how diversity and inclusion is connected with sustainability and why we're seeing now these three terms used sort of in conjunction with one another? Well, I think I've, I've mentioned it with the ESG and with the environment, the social and the governance. We now realise that when we are looking at sustainability, it's not just looking at the environment. We have to look at the E, the S and the G. And when you're looking at diversity and inclusion, in order for this to be a more sustainable world, it's everywhere you look. If, if you look hard enough, you've got to include women, you know, from a gender perspective, Women, if, you know, there's there's this thing where if you educate women, especially in third world countries, they are part of the solution. They are a, a lot of the time the leaders within their community. I, I sit on various boards and support um, and advise lots of UK charities such as ActionAge UK. And one of the key things that they're doing is actually helping to empower women and girls in third world countries to help them become more empowered because a lot of the time they are leaders within their own community and this is all part of becoming sustainable it's not just focusing on the environment but it's also focusing on how can we really integrate everyone because we need every single person and I know we've now reached over eight billion people on planet earth mm. so how do we integrate every single person to be part of the sustainable solution and I think that is going to be key in terms of how we move forward in order to meet, I mean, we just had COP27 in Egypt. So it's a case of, you know, how do we meet those goals? And it's it's really a case of getting everyone involved. And that's what sustainability, that's how sustainability and diversity and inclusion really comes into play. It's getting everyone involved in this because without having everyone playing their part, whether it's doing a bit of recycling, not using much as much electricity or you know, eating less meat, whatever that might be from a small scale to a large global boardroom scale, we can all play our part. And I think making making sure that we've got that diverse, not just workforce, but that diverse solution in terms of the people working towards this and making sure that they're included and that we're really listening to everyone. I think that is going to be part of the key to this solution that we're currently facing. I mean, mm. before we started this recording, you're based in Australia. I'm based here in the UK. Mm -hmm. You've even indicated that even the, the weather is slightly different to what it should be at this time of the year in Australia. So that's indicating we have some serious climate change problems, which I think including diversity and inclusion is definitely the route forward. Mm -hmm. Right. I understand that. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> 
There is a um, problem. <laughs> and it absolutely makes sense. It's really highlighting this, the S of the ESG, but how they're all interconnected with each other. And one person alone cannot fully understand, comprehend, experience the impacts of um, the the consequences of all organisations in their operations. They have some sort of impact on their environment, and I don't mean environment like the trees and the grass and stuff. Yes, I mean that, but also the people within that and what happens. And so that's why you need that broad viewpoint, the broad perspective to understand, but then also all of those people to support the solution. Makes sense. Yeah, 100%. So you've talked about um, the work that you're doing through the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. There's a lot of organisations out um, with fantastic programs really focused at um, diverse cohorts of individuals and getting them ready for the boardroom. And um, with so many of those programs and support mechanisms out in the marketplace, why do you think we haven't really seen faster progress in board diversity beyond the the gender piece? That's a really good question. I think that's that's something that we're all asking ourselves at the moment because we've had so many talks, events, the Black Square, you know, and yet the data is showing that we are no closer when it comes to diversity, you know, whether it's boardroom diversity or across the organisation, certainly at senior levels. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone is mindful and aware now. We know why diversity matters. You know, it equates to new ideas and inclusive environment. I think though, with some organisations, they are having difficulty actually establishing the link between inclusion and um profits and so that's why I'm doing the Braun Review research to highlight that it's not just having a diverse workforce but you've got to have that inclusion aspect but I think you know there are initiatives bringing diversity to the boardroom and it is lagging if you look for example at the US and in the UK boards are still predominantly white with less than one-fourth of newly elected directors being minorities Um, when you look at global organizations Visibly, and I've already said this, but minority women represent less than 5% of board seats. There's a lack of age diversity as well, which I've mentioned. Young professionals are underrepresented in the boardrooms where the average age is now 63 years old. So I think in order to understand why does this lack of board diversity exist and persist, we really need to assess how boards are formed in the first place. Now, traditionally, the process of recruiting candidates and filling board seats have occurred through professional networks and through word of mouth. And while personal references can attest to skills and instill trust, it's not an objective method. And I think what you'll find is if you do go to a board recruiter and you say, you know, I'm brand new, I don't have any board experience, I would like to get onto a board, a lot of them and the feedback I'm getting, I'm giving a little bit of a from the research I've done so far, but the feedback is, oh, go out to your networks. It's not, oh, well, let us use our skills here. That's what we're here for. We will help you. (laughs) We will help you find a board role. They're actually saying to new board directors, oh, I'm sorry. 
you know, we can't really help. You're going to have to go out to your networks. Oh, well, gee, thanks, you know. <laughs> so the onus is then put back onto the new board director, who mm. is diverse, that they've then got to go out to their networks and find their own board role. And when they've got that experience, then they can go back to the board recruiter and say, hey, I've now got some board experience. And if they don't have anyone in their network to help them get that board experience, guess what? We're in this, we're in this chicken and egg scenario where you're not getting that diversity within the boardroom. So mm. I think typically the board search process has been restrictive, exclusive and uncreative. Although there is one, I think, who is coming through. And I'm not going to reveal who it is at the moment because I'm still going through something with them and with the research. But I think there is one who is going to be a clear winner in all of this. And after once the Braum Review is out, we must definitely do another podcast recording so that we can then talk about the Braum Review and then we can talk about who are the organisations that are getting it right. Yeah, or absolutely. getting it right, you know? Absolutely. I, so, so, yeah, totally. The search for finding a new board director usually begins with the CEO and their advisors. And they're the ones who are choosing the candidates from their networks who are already part of their corporate world. And so this is when you're choosing people who are very similar to your experiences and backgrounds. So we know board diversity, it needs to begin at the top of the organisations, but we've got to get more savvy about mm. the misrepresentation and things that are not authentic. We've yeah. got to, and you've got to have brave voices in the boardroom, you know, that are going to be able to speak up and say, hey, you know, maybe it's time that I step down. I've been on this board for 30 years, you know, maybe it's time I step down. If we're really looking towards having a board more sustainable and more diverse and inclusive, you know, there's, there's only so much that I can give now. We're entering a new era. Maybe it's time for me to step down and let someone new come in. I think we need more of that and we don't because we have lots of board and lots of comments are, well, we it's it's a problem being more diverse because we've got to wait for one person to retire. And if the retirement age is 70, it's going to take us a long time to achieve that true diversity within the boardroom. Yeah. We all yeah. know about the positive impacts. We all know, you know, diversifying, you know, there's been so much information there. So I, I'm really not going to talk about that but I think one of the things that we need to do is actually look at those long board tenors and actually think do directors need to stay on the board for long periods of time because this is preventing diverse individuals from taking a seat and while the board size has increased around the world you've still got you know board directors who have been there for many many years so I think we need to look at that we need to look at the fact that not all board members need to be CEOs and CFOs with 30 or 40 years of experience or approaching retirement age. Mm. And one of the things I was told, so I've got nearly 15 years of board experience from different sectors, private, public and third sectors, started my experience in the charity sector. And two and a half years ago, when I was moving away from you know leading a legal initiative within an investment bank, I started having conversations with board recruiters and they were saying to me, well, you're a bit too young, you know, you're a bit too young. You're in your 40s. I think you need to wait another 10, 15 years or so. Build up. And I'm thinking, but I've got nearly 30. I started when I was 18. I've got nearly 30 years of experience. I know I'm ready for the boardroom. And this is one of the words of advice for anyone that's listening who is thinking, but I want to get into a boardroom. How can I, like, 
sometimes you just got to believe in yourself. And I also give talks on success tips and self-belief and having that confidence. You've just got to know that you've got something that you can give to the boardroom. I knew I was ready. And even though, you know, it's so easy. It's just like when I was moving from operations to the front office, recruiters want to recruit you when you've got that existing experience. Mm -hmm. And not many people are going to put a, a chance or risk you going into something completely new. But I've, I spent nearly a 30-year career doing lots of different things. And it's because mm -hmm. I take a chance on myself and I know that I can do it. And it's the same with the boardroom. I've literally, now I have a board portfolio. The same recruiters that were telling me, oh, maybe you should wait another 10, 15 years. They're the same recruiters now headhunting me for board positions, you know? <laughs> so what do you do no with them? What do you do with those? Do you just tell them where to go or...? What, what happens there? That would be an interesting conversation. No, no I'm far too polite for that. Even though I am very assertive, I, I'm too polite to tell them where to go. Um, you know, sometimes you, you do what they do and you ghost them. You know, there's nothing worse than... This is another thing I find really rude. I think when you're going through a process and then you get ghosted, it's like you've got to... If we're talking about sustainability, inclusion, you've got to have that respect for the candidates. If a candidate has gone through a process and it's taken them a long time, the least you can do is give them some feedback or at least communicate that you're not progressing. Absolutely. What to just simply go to the candidate, I think is disgusting. It's rude and it's disrespectful. And those types of organisations, I don't want to work with. And even when they come knocking, I, I just don't answer because it's like, if you decided to go to myself or someone else, it's it's just not the right approach. And I think recruiters whether it's within an organization or a recruitment consultant they really need to look at that they need to look at their own behavior I appreciate you must have lots of different people and you only really go back to the ones who you can progress and make you know make your mm. money with but you know you've got to look at your integrity you've got to look at your value system you've got to look at how are you treating people there's no point joining an organization where they say that one of their values is respect. And yet when you go through their recruitment consultant, they're very disrespectful by not responding. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. come on now. It takes, it doesn't take long. Even if you just do a generic email to all the people that haven't gone through, sorry guys, you know, boom. You don't yeah. always have to give that individual feedback. But I think just to go quiet and ghost, that's not the way to go, you know. And it's, it's all about that experience in terms of how do we get to that board and, and why aren't we getting that board diversity? So I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to find your typical middle-aged white male, middle-class mm. white male, and say, well, we can't find the diverse talent. It's not out yeah. there. So, hey, here's another one we made earlier. You know, yeah. It's a bit like Blue Peter that we've had here in this country. Here's one we made earlier. And yeah. it's, I, I think there's a lazy approach to boardroom recruiting. I think in order for us to have that true diverse boardroom that's inclusive and sustainable, we need to have new policies. We need to have new processes. We need to have a new approach to hiring. And then not just hiring, because then we've got that diverse workforce, but then how do we make them feel more inclusive? How do we, and I, yeah. I've mentioned this, how do we actually make sure that they are being heard? Because if diverse boards are going to be formed, there's a lot of change that is necessary. And yep. this is before introducing any obligatory requirements. We can assess and we can change the existing recruiting and yep. the management processes, but we've really got to do this from the start. Otherwise, diversity, inclusion and sustainability is going to be hindered. And yep. it's going to take us even longer to achieve these goals. So you've got to look at 
all these organizations, even these recruiters, you know, who are doing when it's Black History Month, hey, let's do an event, we're hosting. All this is great PR. Now, are you doing this for PR or are you actually mm. really making that? Because it's it's having those uncomfortable conversations, you know, creating a true, diverse, and inclusive and sustainable boardroom and organization is not easy. Mm. Are you prepared to have that close look in the mirror and have those hard and uncomfortable conversations? If so, then we will get there a lot faster. If not, we're going to continue down the same road and we can't afford to continue. We've got mm. to make that change. Yeah. So do you think that, because um, I wonder why boards themselves aren't taking more action internally to improve diversity uh, in their ranks. Uh, and, of course, there's the old thing around change and change is hard and people don't like change. But I also wonder if there's some reticence uh, from board members of putting putting themselves, putting the organisation out there with a, say, for want of a better word, a diversity drive or campaign um, because they're worried about it being seen as tokenistic or making some sort of misstep uh, because we see it all the time. Organisations get, you know, raked over the coals when they do these things to support Black History Month or Pride Month and really just are doing it as a PR exercise and it's quite obvious do you see that being a concern with boards in, in taking sort of more proactive steps? I would say yes, but also what I'm finding is that sometimes there are other things, especially in the current climate, you know, we've got a recession approaching for next year, probably around the world. Um, and so lots of organisations are focused on funding. They're focused on other things. And unfortunately, that means that diversity, inclusion and potentially sustainability is a bit lower down the ranks in terms of where the focus is. So I think that's one thing. I think there are some organisations that when it comes to the boardroom, you're, you're focused, say, 90, 95% of the time on all these other things. And then diversity is the add on. It's the 5%. Mm. And it's how do we make that more a primary focus? How do... You know, and those are the conversations and that's some of the drives that I'm having in the global boardroom. But it's also those misconceptions where people might think we're well, talking about diversity and inclusion is rather political. You know, and you look at when George Floyd was murdered. I had many of mine. I've got lots of friends who are white, middle class, middle aged males. And they're the ones who have over the years promoted me, hired me or supported me or mentored me or, you know, put in a good word where I've got a board position. So, you know, I. I, when they were calling me up and saying, look, you know, I'm not sure how to approach this. This is a bit of an uncomfortable situation and, and conversation. Like, what's the best way to drive this across the organisation? Yeah. I think it's absolutely fine to put your hand up and say, look, I don't know, you know. Mm. And I, I think sometimes, you know, ego might get in the way where, you know, you don't want to say to someone younger or more diverse, I don't know, how do I do mm. this? But I think we need more of those conversations. We need more of this, you know, we know we need to focus on diversity. How how do mm. we do this? We need more of those types of conversations in the inner and out of the boardroom, mm. you know? And so that's that I think is that absolutely key. I'm not a fan of tokenism. I'm a fan of targets. I'm not a, a fan of just sticking someone in there who isn't 
fair on merit. You know, I'm a big fan of merit and making sure you've got the right experience. But I think the wrong approach is to say we don't have that diverse broad yeah. um, candidates out there. They are out there. Yeah. If you look hard enough, they are out there. You just need to look beyond your existing networks, look beyond your existing recruitment processes and policies and who you currently, if the current board yeah. recruiters are not expanding and changing their processes, then we need a new solution, you know? Yeah. Maybe yep. come to the, the Moranjapur and Diversity Leadership Foundation because we know a lot of senior board directors. We know a lot of senior people and mm. we know a lot of diverse graduates and interns who are yeah. going to your boardroom potential, you know, candidates and directors. So, you know, there's there's lots of other organisations that you can turn to if you really want a true, diverse, inclusive and sustainable organisation, not just within the boardroom. Yeah, absolutely. And so on that point, those individuals who do identify through some sort of diverse attribute or um, however they're seeing themselves as an aspiring board member, how do they put themselves forward? How do they even potentially help a board to recognise and appreciate that difference that they can bring to the boardroom? So I think, first of all, how do they put themselves forward for these board positions or leadership positions? My motto is, if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm-hmm. So let people know. Like, you know, don't wait for someone to notice you and think, hey, you'd be great for this position. You've really got to wait. And this is how I spent my whole career. I spent my whole career, every time I wanted to make a change, I've made a few changes, um, you know, but I think it's so important to communicate and let people know, hey, This is what I'm interested in doing. This is what I did with my board portfolio career. I let people know that I wanted to enter into the boardroom. But in fact, the first board um, role that I took was about nearly 15 years ago. And it was it was an advert in um, I can't remember where. In fact, my mother showed it to me and she was like, hey, I think you'd be really good. It was a charity and they were looking for board trustees. And so I applied and I, I got it. And that was the first sort of board meeting I attended outside of the corporate space but I really wanted to this was at the time it was about 2008 or so no it wasn't it was about 2010 2011 and this was when I was a banker sales hedge fund sales trader and you know they were getting a lot of stick with the financial crisis etc and I really Mm -hmm. wanted to do some charity work and show that not all people in finance on the trading floor were just about making money, you know. And so mm-hmm. I um, did lots of charity work on the boardroom there. And one of the things I would say is think about what is your passion? What are the things that you would like to do? And have a look at those sectors. Have a look at you can still maintain your executive career or your full-time career and then do a, a part-time board role whether it's supporting initially an organisation and then progressing onto that board level. I know now there's apprenticeship schemes, there's associate board director roles where you're not a full-on board director, but you're, you're but there's also mm. where you can observe. So you can go in and you can observe and be an apprenticeship of some kind. I know there are some banks and some organisations that are doing that. So I think, I think there are organisations who are trying to open the door to more diverse candidates. But I think, the key is you've just got to start searching, you know, mm. you've really got to start searching and looking. And sometimes it's not a case of just going to that board recruiter straight away. Mm-hmm. But I, I would also say speak to as many people as possible to get advice. You know, yep. 
board directors, female, diverse, even white male board directors can mentor you into getting into a board position. And that's what I did. I spoke to lots of um, female board directors, had lots of coffees and a few cocktails and stuff, <laughs> talking about how did you get into the boardroom? And you'd mm. be surprised. You know, there's this there's this thing where, oh, women don't help women. It's all competitive. But there, And that's true to a certain extent that I've experienced in my career. But then there are also some lovely women who are open, who will, you know, like myself, make time for you, will mentor you, will give mm -hmm. you advice, will also show you what their board CV looks like. Because when you're applying for a board role, you can't just send your CV. You've got to tailor it into a board CV. And I spent... I must have done about 20 different drafts in terms of getting my board CV the way it is today. And mm -hmm. that was through, you know, going to various um, women, men, having lots of different people look at it. Everyone has their own opinion. Yep. Board Everyone's got their own. I did one board recruiter who was lovely, actually, just before we went into lockdown in COVID, with COVID. They um, literally redesigned my CV. Um, didn't really get any interviews from that, but it was nice to know that they took the time out to redesign my board CV. And so yes. I think just getting as many people to have a look at your CV, making it, because when a board CV, how is it different from an, an ordinary executive CV? You don't really, it's, you, you, first of all, whatever board experience you have, you start with that. Yep. So you start with your board experience, but it's more in line with what are your skills? What is, um, what is the relevant experience that you have? So you don't just have lots of bullet points like this is what I did in my role. You make it strictly relevant to the boardroom. And that's yeah. the quickest and easiest way I can say in terms of how to develop that board CV. But I think, you know, you also mentioned the second part of the question was, well, how do they get to be recognised and appreciated within the boardroom? Well, it's to make sure your voice is heard. It's to make mm. sure that if you have a seat at the table, you're not just silent and just sitting there and nodding and agreeing. But the whole point of why you're there is because you're bringing a diverse viewpoint, or at least you should be. So you should be able to be coming up with some ideas. And it's also sometimes being strong enough to be the only person around that table that mm. has an idea, or mm. maybe the only person around that table that's strong enough to make a suggestion that maybe someone else might be too scared to raise, especially when it comes to diversity, inclusion and sustainability. So it's, it's having, it's using your voice. And it's if you are being shut down, it's it's making sure that your voice is heard and making sure it's being respected. Mm -hmm. And if you are finding that you're being cut off, it's that very simple. I haven't finished speaking. Yes. <laughs> and it, it can be said in a very polite and assertive way, you know. Um, but I think it's it's making sure. But what I find is when you are in the boardroom and you do open your mouth and you've got all that experience, the respect comes because they know you know what you're talking about. Yeah. I wouldn't say just talk for the sake of talking. It's making sure that when you do open your mouth, there is value that is coming from there so that you are respected and you are appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Such great advice. I uh, love that. Um, I did want to segue across over to the Braun Review, which you have mentioned, and just get you to share a little bit about what that is, what you're hoping to do with it and about the survey that you're running as part of that research. Yes. I'm so glad we're, we're focusing a bit on that. So I'm, I'm nearly halfway through. I can't believe it. But 
basically what is it? So the Braun Review is an independent research report, a bit like the Sir John Parker Review that focused on diversity, or the McGregor-Smith Review that focused on increasing race diversity. The Braun Review has a focus on inclusion and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And I think it's these two points that's really what we need to focus on now. We all know, you know, I started the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation seven years ago because, and the first lecture that I delivered was why does diversity matter? I think we all know now why diversity matters. We've got enough research. It's the conversation now needs to stem towards, we know why diversity matters. We still need to work on making the workforce on the boardroom more diverse, but we need to now focus on the inclusion and the sustainability part. And that's what the Braun Review is about. And also the uh, the corporate governance aspect as well. So the outcome will be a guideline. And it's it's also a platform for where I've been, I've been very honest during our podcast, podcast recording and our conversation. I've been very honest. And it's having those honest conversations with someone who isn't just a public figure like myself, but actually hearing from people who are either in the boardroom or trying to get into the boardroom and what has been their experience. Mm. And I find sometimes you're not getting that truly honest, raw, you know, data or that true, honest, those those voices that aren't being heard, those voices that are trying to get in there or once they are in there, they're feeling that they're not really feeling included. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that there's a research report. Well, there isn't a research report out there that's actually highlighting that and so that's what the Braun Review is about it's highlighting these voices but then it's it's not just having a moan or being honest about what's going wrong or what's going right but it's what can we do about it what mm. is so it's it's more like a guideline in terms of how can global organizations become more not just more diverse but more inclusive and more sustainable and so that's where at the moment we are currently working on the survey the idea is to focus on 100 board directors and those who are of that level and are, have been in contact with the global board recruiters. And there's been some very interesting conversations that have taken place, which is sadly to me not surprising. Mm. But the, these are conversations that is not being shared at the moment with Mm. other independent research reports. And so this is going to be a very real research report. I'm not attached to a global organization or, you know, a recruitment consultant. So this, this this is truly independent where we can really home in on what is what is really happening here? What are those raw conversations that are taking place? And so the outcome will be to analyze that, analyze the data and then produce a report and hopefully, I'm hoping, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it all by sort of late February, early March, but that's what I'm working towards. And ambitious. then we're going to have a lovely event for Oxford University, very ambitious. So it's head down, you know. I'm also finishing, this is also going to form a chapter in my book that will hopefully be out next year. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's just been honest, you know, it's been mm. honest, it's been transparent and it's communicating out there what's really happening and I think we need more of that absolutely especially with the boardroom so much of so much of how you end up in the boardroom is so opaque and just it's it's like what do I do I I feel like I need to join a secret club or know someone special or be in some sort of 
secret cult just to get into the boardroom. So I think that's really um, going to shine a light on a lot of dark places that have existed up to now. 100%. And someone said to me, actually, when I got my first corporate paid board role, someone did say to me, it's like a private members club, like a mm-hmm. secret club. I'm opening the door to let you in. You know, and this was a yeah. white middle-aged male. So it is like a secret club. Yeah. And so I, I think when we have diverse board members, we, we've got to open that up to more diverse board members. We can't put all the onus on the board recruiters. We can't put all the onus on the white middle-aged males that are in there. We somehow also got to play our part. And I know some people would say, oh, well, we don't have the power to do that. Well, look, I'm in there and I've got a, a, a you know, um, a multi-board, a multi-sector board career now where I, I now get paid. But I think what you've also got to do you know, I, I did spend a number of years initially where I was doing board work and board advisory work and I wasn't getting paid for it, but I knew long term I would get paid for it. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, getting experience, building that up. I started in the nonprofit sector, the voluntary sector, um, working with local government, you know, as an extra commissioner, for example, at Lambeth Council, which is one of the boroughs. It's one of the poorest boroughs in London. Um, I was vice chair of a few boards as well, helping mm. with the whole remit of diversity. So everything I do, I don't just randomly pick different sectors, but there's all there's always going to have that diversity, that sustainability, that corporate governance focus. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's what we need to focus on, you know? Absolutely. So this survey is global. Is it open um, for people who want to participate if they meet the criteria? Absolutely. And what, what I'm doing at the moment, I am creating the list of the five. So it's it's at least 100 board directors. Now, most of these board directors are going to be based in the UK. But I think it'd be quite nice to have, even if it's a handful or two handfuls of board directors who are outside the UK. So we, we, we can do a comparison to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 surveys, but it's also having in-depth interviews. Now, it is going to be the same questions, but there are some board directors who are happy to have that in-depth interview and to go into a bit more detail. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate when you send out a survey, you might not get as much information out as you might want. So it is going to be a mixture yep. of survey questions, getting out the survey, but then also having those in-depth interviews. So I am looking over the next few weeks to get all the surveys out. So if anyone listening to this podcast who is in the boardroom or has gone through that process and hasn't got into the boardroom, but they've gone through that recruiting process or attempted that, then I would definitely love to hear from you. Okay, great. We'll share the links to that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Awesome. And for everyone else who wants to follow along with your work and see the outcome from this report once it comes out early next year how do they follow along absolutely so this Braun review is not just with oxford university but it's 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 been led by the miranda Braun diversity leadership foundation i've mentioned the other global organizations and leaders who are supporting this but i think if you want to know follow us on our social media um, so it's the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. You can follow us um, via our website, www.tmbdlf.com. You can contact me directly via www.mirandabraun.com. I'm at my fellowship. So I'm, I'm doing this senior visiting fellowship at Oxford University. 
So you can also contact me directly through, if you go onto Oxford University website, you will find me. Um, so you can also contact me via Oxford University there. I'm here until sort of the 20, late Feb, early March, but I definitely would recommend that if you want to be part of this, contact me, I would say by say the 16th of December, 2022, if you want to be part of this. Um, don't leave it until Feb because by then we've already got all the results we've done, you know, or go through the analysis and we're ready to publish. So definitely do um, come forward there. But also just with the work that we're doing with the foundation, if you want to help to mentor, you know, we can do uh, virtual mentoring sessions or if you want to sponsor one of our scholarships that we offer because we have scholarships across various different sectors, whether it's law, business, politics, STEM, you know, we've got LGBTQ+, ESG, with Black Women on Boards. We've got a range of different uh, scholarship sectors. So if you do want to get more involved, then, you know, there's so many different things that you can do and actions that you can do to help. That's fantastic uh, and so great to hear and invite anyone who's interested in in doing any sort of work with that or participating in the survey, check out the links in the show note. You'll be able to find those there and get Definitely. to where you want to go. Um, Professor Miranda Braun, it has been a pleasure to speak with you to hear about the fantastic work that you're doing. I can't wait for the survey and I can't wait for your book next year. But thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your advice, sharing your perspectives, what you've learned uh, through your research today, through your experience in the boardroom with the Board Shorts listeners. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I just want to say, you know, thank you for letting this platform exist i mean get on boards australia i think you're doing some great work in fact you are doing some great work and i i really do admire the stuff and respect the work that you're doing and it's more than i'm it's it's an absolute pleasure to be part of this so um, i'm looking forward to having lots more conversations and working with you more closely absolutely thank you so much it's so lovely to hear that feedback thank you I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Professor Miranda K. Braun. If you are on a board and are interested in participating in the Braun Review Survey, please reach out directly to Professor Braun at miranda.braun at keeble.ox.ac.uk and I will have that linked in the show notes before the 16th of December 2022. The most important message, well, one of many that I picked up from my conversation with Miranda was the importance of real meaningful work towards inclusion to achieve and leverage true diversity and the way that that is required for successful ESG initiatives to be created and implemented and the results being seen. Additionally, it's up to each of us to use our voice to make positive progress rather than sitting around waiting for the change to spontaneously happen on its own or for other people to read our minds and know what we need and want. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag BoardShortsPodcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts Podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members. 
helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.